it, wreck it, wreck it, wreck it. Get down to business. This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Welcome in. It's Wicket's World here on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. Happy Friday. Happy snowy Friday to you. It's been brutal. It has been absolutely brutal uh, coming to work each of the last couple of, well, Two times this week, right? But it's Iowa. We know what we're doing. If you're safe today, awesome. If you don't have to go out today, and let's be real here. If you don't have to go out at all this entire weekend, that would be wonderful, right? (laughs) Considering how cold it is going to be, considering how much this snow is going to blow around, the wind chills, we're talking negative 30, 40, 50 this weekend. So be safe. Put your feet up. Maybe watch some football. Hang out with us. We got basketball on all weekend. So if you are a sports fan and you don't like going outside, then you know what? This blizzard warning we've got going on in central Iowa, it's not so bad. Just stay inside and watch sports. That's what I plan on doing. Chasing my kids around, watching football. We're going to get to all the playoff games coming up. Super wild card weekend. So much to talk about. it. Every single game has a bit of intrigue. The, there's one game where I'm just like, ah, if I love the NFL and I will never miss a playoff game. If I you know, have the opportunity to watch, I will. There's only one game this weekend where I'm just like, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know if I can make a compelling argument to why it's going to be must-see TV. But the other five, I think, are, are just dripping with storylines. And we'll get to all of them in the next hour here on ESPN Des Moines. I'll get to, if you're new to the show, the Green Bay Packers are my favorite team. Rocking a Packers beanie right now and a Packers hoodie. Uh, We'll get to the Packers and Cowboys coming up in a bit. But I want to start with the game that has... Okay, there's the game between the two teams and the two offensive geniuses calling this game. Then there's the weather surrounding this game. And then there's the access to you watching this game. So there are storylines outside of Dolphins versus Chiefs that have nothing to do with the actual football and the X's and O's being called by Mike McDaniel and Andy Reid. I do want to start with that football game first because I will be – it's going to be tough to watch because it's only on Peacock. You're not going to get to watch it unless you're streaming me right now in Kansas City or Miami. The game is not on locally. Here in Des Moines, not on locally. You better have Peacock. You better shell out six bucks if you want to watch this one. Uh, Find another way to watch it. I can't tell you what some of those ways would be, but – the fact that it's only on Peacock is making a lot of people angry. Like, I have a lot of friends down in Kansas City, and I see a lot of this on social media, and people are livid. I mean, there are some people who even believe, or at least they're posting on Facebook, and if they believe, you know, not everything you see on Facebook is real, but there are people who actually believe that the NFL is going to lose fans because Chiefs and Dolphins is on Peacock only. If you believe, that the NFL is going to lose fans and ratings will suffer and people will stop watching the National Football League based upon one playoff game being on Peacock. I have some oceanfront property in West Des Moines in my backyard to sell you, all right? Because you'll believe anything. The NFL is experimenting right now with putting games in specific places. We know that Amazon Prime shelled out a bunch of money to have the Thursday night games, and those games usually suck. But what are companies going to put out 
how much money are they going to wind up spending? What is Amazon, Peacock? Will Netflix get involved? Will more of these companies, will Hulu get involved? Will maybe only the NFC playoff games will be on Hulu two years from now and the AFC playoff games will be on Peacock? I, I have no idea where this is eventually going to go, but ever since we started cutting the cord and moving towards apps and getting away from traditional television watching, you could kind of see this being the way that watching sports is going to go. I mean, I... You know, there are games that are only on the NFL network, and not everybody has the NFL network. Not everybody can afford cable. I understand that. But this is sort of the way it's going to be going. And, again, there are ways to watch this game. One of them, again, get Peacock, pay for 6 bucks for the one-month free trial or the one-month trial or whatever, and then make sure you cancel it. But what they're banking on doing is getting people to watch, see everything else that Peacock has to offer. To me, it's just the office. But to see everything that Peacock has to offer and add it alongside on your Fire Stick or your smart TV or whatever. Will I be downloading Peacock and, you know, making sure I have Peacock on my uh, nightly list of apps to turn on? No, I won't. I don't watch that much TV. I've got my three kids and my wife. And other than sports, I don't really watch all that much you know, TV besides Marvel stuff, and I got Disney Plus for that. So this is not going to affect me. It might affect you, and if it does affect you, if you're angered to the point where you're going to stop watching the NFL, A, I don't believe you. B, I feel sorry. Like, this sucks because this is a playoff game that we never, ever, ever get to see. And by that, I mean we get a game that is going to be one of the coldest games in the history of the NFL. And I am so intrigued by that. I read... That the high in Kansas City coming up tomorrow is going to be 8. And by the time this thing kicks off, negative 2, negative 5, brutal. Absolutely brutal. Now, I lived in Kansas City for four years. Kansas City is not that far from us here in Des Moines. It's three hours, basically, from downtown Des Moines to downtown Kansas City, if you get lucky on traffic. Whether there's... Not comparable to Des Moines. They don't get the snow like we do. They get ice. It's usually most of winter in Kansas City is 32. They'll dip down to single digits, but they'll pop right back up. Whereas, as you know, this weekend, we're going to be in single digits for about four or five days. And I think like nine of the next 10, the forecasted high is in single digits or the teens or something like that. So it's a different world down in Kansas City. But it's gotten cold at Arrowhead before. Like, this is nothing new for Chiefs fans who have gone to games. You know, they're always playing home games in January in in Kansas City. Ever since Mahomes has been the guy, they've never had to go on the road in the playoffs. Now, if they beat Miami, they're going to have to go on the road in the playoffs, I think. But this this is such—I don't think this is an issue for Kansas Cityans. I don't think this is an issue for Kansans or Missourians to go to this game— and be really, really cold. You bundle up. Now, this is potentially a problem for Miami. <laughs> More on that in a moment. Uh, Andy Reid, head coach of the Chiefs, not real worried about the cold. Yeah, I don't think you bank on all that. I, uh, that's where you get into trouble. Uh, the guys are pretty resilient. And uh, so you, you get you get yourself ready. And um, if it works out that way for you or whatever, I don't know how to – I don't know how to – uh, quantify that, um, you know. So uh, I just say, get ready for the game. Let, let's do that. I don't really care what goes on out here. Um, you know, we're not having a snowball fight. 
Yeah, Reed's done. I mean, really, he he coached this team to like seven AFC seven AFC championships. They're always playing in the cold there. You just get yourself ready and you play. And I think at some point, talking to NFL players, current, past NFL players, when a game is this cold, you have to put yourself in that state, that mental state. Um, and it, like, we live in an era of, oh, got to be tough, guys. It's brutal, man. But if you can psych yourself out for this one, then you're going to be in a much better position than the guys on the field that can't psych themselves out for this one. You know, you worry about guys like Mahomes and Tua who have to grip the football. And I don't think they're going to be using gloves in this one. Uh, and guys who have to catch the football. You know, we talk about the the struggles of the Kansas City Chiefs often. It's been a real hot-button issue. A lot of Chiefs fans here in Des Moines. And everybody knows, outside of Travis Kelsey, nobody has been able to catch the football consistently for Kansas City. Uh Sky Moore has not materialized. Rashi Rice has been a good rookie, so I take that back. Rashi Rice has been pretty darn good this year. I think he's going to be a stud for a while uh, in Kansas City. But MVS drops. Kadarius Toney drops. Sky Moore, like I mentioned, hasn't developed. Anybody else you want to throw in there? I mean, I say what you want about Juju Smith-Schuster, who was on this team when they won the Super Bowl a year ago, now in New England? That's how relevant Juju's been, by the way. I'm guessing he's in New England uh, I don't even watch the Patriots. But they don't have anybody who's been able to reliably catch the football. And this cold weather stuff, this really record-setting cold, can affect pass catchers more than almost anybody on the field besides the quarterbacks. So that's why I would expect maybe uh, the advantage in the running game or the team that runs the ball would have the advantage in this one. Honestly, that kind of spells Miami to me. I mean, Pacheco's been good, but the fact that Mike McDaniel... You know, the entire offense for Miami, you know, is predicated on their ability to run the game, run the football and misdirection. And I don't know if Raheem Mostert's going to be able to go. Jeff Wilson, Devon Shan. I'm not, I don't know who's going to get the football, but they rotate a bunch of guys in there and they run the ball. If you can run the football, you can shorten the game. You can demoralize the other team. I'll be shocked if Tua throws the ball 35 times in this game. I really will. I mean, this is not, unless they're down and they have to throw and keep throwing and keep throwing, I feel like this is going to be a real low-scoring game based on the weather. It'll be wet. It'll be cold. Nobody wants to catch the ball. Nobody wants the ball to sting off your fingers or jam a finger in this cold. That is brutal. Uh, Mike McDaniel, head coach of the Miami Dolphins, uh, admittedly, like the rest of us, doesn't love the cold. I don't think you guys would mistake me for a uh, cold weather body. Okay. Um, but I'm really excited to go do that with the team because it's a it's a mindset thing that you do together that you have to choose um, for it to be as minimal of an issue as possible. You already know what it, that it's going to be the coldest game that we've had all year and might be one of the coldest in, in history. The, the bottom line is, is you have to have a collective mindset. Everyone has to be all in, and I'm confident that our, that our guys will be up for the challenge. We're going to find out if they're up for the challenge, and uh, like I said, this is one of the most interesting games on the entire weekend schedule just because of Mother Nature and what it's going to do to Miami guys and Tua, who's not a Midwest guy at all, as we know, and Mike McDaniel. Like, what is this going to do to these guys and what what kind of play are they going to be able to put out on the field? Now, Mahomes has been here before, right? We know Patrick Mahomes can play in cold weather. He's done it. He's done it on uh, at, uh, on numerous occasions at Arrowhead. 
hasn't really been the best year for Mahomes and the Chiefs in this offense, but the MVP, happy to be in the dance. What could be better, man? Playing playoff football January at Arrowhead Stadium. Um, it's going to be cold. Kind of is what it is. I'd rather be playing a football game than chasing my kids around the backyard. So I'll have a little bit of the adrenaline rush, and uh, I'm excited for it. I mean, everybody's a little banged up here at the end of the season, and uh, to get guys rested and, and preparing their bodies. And then I thought it was an energy boost just to get to watch these other guys that work uh, day in and day out and don't get those opportunities. They got to get those opportunities, and they found a way to win a football game. And so uh, definitely it was exciting for me. Do I expect Mahomes to throw the ball 45 times a game and rack up 350 and three scores? No. I think it's the same thing as as Miami. I think you're going to see this team running the football a lot because of the cold weather. And I don't think you're going to put this in the hands of all your very questionable pass catchers if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. It doesn't make a lot of sense because there's been so many struggles with drops and just the frustration in this offense. But head coach Andy Reid says that despite all these struggles, everybody is rallying right now. I think that's a positive. I mean, everybody, everybody's been so positive through it and supporting each other. I mean, you've seen it on the sidelines, guys supporting each other, the want to by uh, Chris Jones, by uh, Patrick, by uh, Kels. I mean, and then the guys follow them. And when they're, you know, when they bring that energy like they do every week, I mean, guys believe that it's going to get changed. And so it allows me to stand up here and tell you that we're about that close and and uh, every week. And it's just a matter of figuring, getting some things figured out. And and this is what happens. They just they keep pounding, and it was great. You know, a guy who uh, was on this roster a year ago with the Chiefs actually had that one, like, big drive. What was it, last year or two years ago? It was Chad Henney. Remember when Mahomes had the ankle go the wrong way? Was it last offseason? I can't even remember now. But Chad Henney came in and led him on that drive, and it was massive. Henney has retired uh, and was on this radio station earlier this week talking about hoping that Patrick Mahomes doesn't try to do too much. He just wants to put it on, on his shoulders. I mean, whether he throws the ball, runs the ball, you know, he wants to be perfect, and he wants to do everything he can to win. He's a true competitor. It's hard to take away that from a person when things aren't going right. So he wants to put it on his shoulders and make it right. And sometimes as a quarterback, that is just, you know, you try to do too much. You know, one more note on this game before we get on to the next. Uh, we talk about the offenses. We talk about Tua. We talk about Mostert. We talk about Tyreek Hill making his return trip to Arrowhead, by the way. We're not really talking about defenses here. And ESPN's Tim Hasselbeck says that this game probably is going to come down to the guys playing defense. Well, because I think we have these reputations for these teams right now. Kansas City Chiefs, Miami Dolphins. And we do think offense. And look, probably they deserve those reputations. But this year, it has not been like that for the Kansas City Chiefs. Their receivers have let them down. Patrick Mahomes has been very honest about the defense has been leading that football team. And I think you could probably say a similar thing for the Miami Dolphins in terms of how they've played against better competition. Their offense has let them down. So I, I think this is a more of a defensive battle and because of that, I think the advantage goes to the Chiefs, especially when you consider the injuries that Miami is dealing with on the defensive side. Really, I think what we all want to know is, is Miami actually for real in Kansas City? Can they actually catch the ball and look like they have a competent offense? And we're going to do it in negative seven-degree weather. <laughs> it's going to be uh, such an interesting matchup to watch. If this game were in Miami, I would take the Dolphins, but this game is actually going to be played in Kansas City 
in the cold. I'll take the Chiefs to win this football game. Coming up, we'll get to the Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers, the Mike McCarthy Bowl. And how can Green Bay pull the upset? I'll tell you next. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wickett. This is Wickett's World. Oh, boy. Hopefully you're staying safe out there on the roads or just staying inside. Going to be brutally cold as well when we get done with uh, the snow later on tonight. Blizzard warning in effect. A lot of blowing snow, 40-mile-an-hour winds. That with the zero and negative temperatures we're going to have. It could be pretty awful outside. So you might as well stay inside and watch football all weekend. Or listen to the radio. Listen to some uh, basketball. we got Drake basketball all weekend here on ESPN Des Moines. Now, if you are new to the show, hello, welcome. We do this every Friday. I am a Green Bay Packers fan. Yes, I'm getting ready, pumped up, been pretty psyched ever since last week's win over the Chicago Bears for Green Bay to go to Dallas. Cowboys are a seven and a half point favorite in the Mike McCarthy Bowl. Packers going to face their old head coach, who they won a Super Bowl with. He's now the head man down there in Dallas. Um, how do I objectively talk about a game where I'm openly, unabashedly, rooting for one team like Chiefs Dolphins yeah I kind of want Kansas City to win just because I got friends who are Chiefs fans I don't think I know one Dolphin fan maybe I know one but when it comes to the Packers it's hard to put the objective hat on I guess let's start with Dallas then let's just begin with the Dallas Cowboys um I believe all of the pressure in this game is on deck and on McCarthy it's on Mac and Dak right like, it's got to be on Dak Prescott, got to be on the head coach. It's got to be on the quarterback. That's where the pressure is. Because every year, you know Cowboy fan. You have a Cowboy fan friend, I'm sure. My neighbor Shane, big Cowboy fan. Hear it from the, uh, the you know, from the beginning of the year. Oh, this is our season. Remember when uh, the, the Cowboys blanked? Was it the Jets or the Giants in back-to-back weeks? Or week one, they beat up on, uh, was it the Giants? I don't even remember. So long ago. And then we learned that the Dallas, I don't know if they're a fraud. I wouldn't say they're a fraud of a team. I would put them in the second tier in the NFC right behind San Francisco. And that's not a knock on the Dallas Cowboys. But we've all been waiting to see what they can do in a big spot. They went to San Francisco, got waxed. They went to Miami, they lost. They went to Philly and lost before Philly's you know season-long collapse. Now they beat Philadelphia in Big D. They beat Detroit last Saturday in a game that had lots of controversy at the end. And here come the Green Bay Packers. Team playing with house money. The seven seed. A team that had to beat a pretty bad Bears team just to get in. Youngest team in the NFL. First year starter at quarterback. Coming into Big D. And Dallas has all kinds of expectation. And they should. They've got, I believe, listen. I like to poke fun at Dak Prescott to my Cowboy fan friends. But if I were filling out a ballot for the MVP, and thank God they don't give me one, but if I were filling out a ballot, Dak would be number two on my list right behind Christian McCaffrey because Dak has been so great for most of the year. You know, Lamar, and this is not a knock on Lamar's, you know, back half of the year. He's been a video game the last six, seven, eight weeks. But the first month and a half of the season, Lamar wasn't MVP good. You know why? Because he was starting to learn a new system. Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator there, came in and they went from a run-oriented offense to this passing offense. And Lamar, after about Halloween, started to figure it out. But to me, the MVP is a year-long award. 
Christian McCaffrey would get my vote, followed by Dak, and then I don't know who I would have third. Maybe Lamar. I don't know. But Dak Prescott's an MVP caliber quarterback this season. Dallas is unbeaten at home. All right? They were great at home. Their plus minus is like plus 175 at home or something along those crazy lines. So this is a team that knows that the expectations are very, very high. At the very bare minimum, I would say Dallas's expectation is to get to the NFC Championship game. Dax won one playoff game. I don't even know how many playoff wins they have in the last 20 years down there in Dallas. Not a lot. Dax got one playoff win, and it was against a mediocre Tampa Bay team a year ago. But they're confident now. The atmosphere that, they, that the Cowboys fans have created AT&T, the way that we've come out these last two years. Um, but I can tell you this, we can't lean on that. We, we've got to lean on our preparation. We've got to uh, commit to the studying these guys, to being on our best, knowing our execution, knowing what's expected of us, playing to our standard. And, um, yeah, I say anybody anywhere, but right now it's Green Bay at AT&T, and we're very fortunate we get to do it at AT&T. And like the matchup already and haven't turned on the tape, but that, that goes in the confidence of anywhere, anybody. So Dak's confident, the fans are confident, and here comes the Green Bay Packers, a team they should beat. Like, again, I'll be honest, they should beat Green Bay. They're a seven-and-a-half-point favorite for a reason, and they've got probably, I mean, if you think about it, when you did your fantasy football draft, who was wide receiver one in your draft? Probably Jefferson, Jamar Chase, maybe Tyreek Hill. You know who the best receiver in football was this year? CeeDee Lamb. I think I said it last week. I don't think there's another quarterback receiver that has put in as much time as me and CD have going back into the offseason throughout the whole offseason continuing throughout the year of just the communication understanding what I expect of him him understanding where I'm going to put the ball uh, his belief him understanding the belief that I have in him uh, I've told you I think he's the best receiver in the game and, and I'm, I'm going to put him throw the ball in tight windows I'm going to expect him to make one-on-one plays I think the game could be won or lost with CD Lamb in the slot now, I don't know if Jair Alexander is going to go. He stepped on a teammate's ankle and rolled his what, yesterday, I think, in practice. And I don't know if Green Bay would want to put him on CD the entire game. or Because Lamb's going to get his catches. I mean, you watch CD Lamb play. How many times are you playing against him in fantasy football or you look up the box score or you're watching a Cowboy game and all of a sudden CD's got 13 catches for 170 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, these guys have the chemistry. They know everything about each other on the football field. And it's beautiful to watch, especially if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. So to me, that could be maybe the biggest factor in this. Can Green Bay make Michael Gallup or the tight end Ferguson or somebody else, Cooks, can Green Bay make somebody else get the attention of Dak Prescott uh, when he's throwing the football? What's limiting CeeDee Lamb look like? Seven for 100 and a touchdown? I mean, you would take that out of most wide receivers, right? If Green Bay can limit CeeDee Lamb to seven for 100 and one score, I think that's probably a pretty good indication that Green Bay is having some success on defense. And Green Bay doesn't have a lot of success on defense. Their coordinator, Joe Barry, has got to be gone. Uh, It's been the black eye on this entire football team. Leads and necessary comebacks by Jordan Love. And heck, with Aaron Rodgers the last few years, Joe Barry's been a disaster. But that's a story for another offseason. Back to the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys, specifically talking about Dak 
talking about being prepared, talking about getting ready for this game. Very ready. Obviously, coming off of the past years, I'm understanding the team we have, um, knowing that knowing we're coming into the season, that, that we had a team that could compete, wanted to put ourselves in this position, uh, wanted to stay in the moment each and every week and not look forward to this, but now uh, it's upon us. And I think uh, most importantly, we've got to take it one game at a time with the same attitude that we came into this game with, same attitude that we've taken in, in every home approach. Who, who's it's, it's Green Bay lined up right now. Everything focuses on that. We'll enjoy this, enjoy this plane ride home, and guarantee you tomorrow everybody turns the page, puts this regular season behind them, and understands that tomorrow's not promised in that sense, that we've got to make sure we give everything we can. Now, on the other side of the ball, here comes Green Bay playing with house money. Young, You've heard of everything, right? Youngest team in the National Football League, first-year starter, Jordan Love, second only to Dak in touchdown passes. Uh, and I think led the league or was tied for the league lead or whatever in total touchdowns. Not bad for a first-year guy, right? I mean, I tried to tell people all year that Jordan Love was the real deal. All offseason, nobody would listen to me, that the Packers are going to strike gold again. And Jordan Love has been the best quarterback in the NFC in the second half of the year. I think the two best quarterbacks since we got to November, Jordan Love and Lamar Jackson. Now, neither one of them was stellar the first two months of the season, but both of them were fantastic the second half of the season. And Green Bay head coach Matt LaFleur knows that despite the struggles, he didn't lose any confidence in Jordan Love. He's just resilient. That's that, Those are things you cannot coach. You can sit there and... Talk about it to your blue in the face. Uh, however, that is something that he possesses, and I admire him for that. His ability to stay even keel, to battle through adversity, to lead our team. Uh, he did he did an outstanding job, and he's been doing it. I think he's he's certainly proved himself over the back half of the season. I don't I don't think there's there's many questions left. To be honest with you. I promised before the commercial break I was going to tell you how I think Green Bay can actually win this football game because you listen to sports radio and you listen to this radio station and the national pundits are talking about who is on upset alert and Carlin versus Joe, the show I'm interrupting right now, uh, they went through every underdog this weekend. Are they on upset alert? And no one gave Green Bay a chance. If you watch what Miami did to Dallas or you watch what San Francisco did to Dallas couple of things. One, run the football. Buffalo did it, too. James Cook had a career game against uh, the uh, the Dallas Cowboys earlier this year. Run the football. Use Aaron Jones. Coming off the best game of the season. He was injured a lot of the year. Maybe some fresher legs. Had a monster game against the Chicago Bears. I think three straight 100-yard games for Aaron Jones. Don't quit that. Keep doing it. And the other way, Again, I go back to Miami and San Francisco, and I reference Miami and San Francisco because out of the Shanahan tree, you see a lot of this RPO stuff, movement stuff, attacking space, zone reads. You see a lot of that stuff with Shanahan, and you see a lot of that stuff with McDaniel, with Purdy, and with Tua. Their ability to make you try to figure out which way guys are going to go, that's what the pre-snap motion is for, but important is this. Attack the middle. My buddy Pete Bukowski from Locked On Packers did some research and just watched the Niners shred the middle of the field. And I'll tell you what, as a Packers fan, when I would watch Aaron Rodgers the last few years, Aaron seemed, I don't want to say allergic to, but he was avoiding or scared to go down the field in the middle of the field. Rodgers always 
great when it comes to not turning the football over. Chances, extra chances being taken in the middle of the field. That's where all the defenders are. Rodgers seemed to want to avoid that, especially his last three years in Green Bay, and two of those were MVP years. Jordan Love is not afraid to throw the ball over the middle. And I believe that Green Bay can expose Dallas's defense in the middle, whether it's Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, Bo Melton. We're not talking about great wide receivers here. We're talking about young guys who could be good one day. Jaden Reed is doing stuff that no other rookie receiver has ever done in the history of the NFL with his rushing, his catching, the touchdowns, all those numbers. But there is a weakness in this Dallas defense in the middle. And whether or not Dan Quinn is going to adjust could tell the tale of this game. It's a big road game. It's a huge game for Matt LaFleur. It's his first playoff game that he's going to battle without Aaron Rodgers. And he's picking up all places to do it. Jerry World. we got to go on the road and earn it. And certainly uh, going to Dallas is not going to be an easy task. Got a lot of respect for what Coach McCarthy's been able to establish there. they got a lot of great players. You know, we saw him last year, and it was it was a tough battle. You know, we're going to have to be at our best in order to go down there and, and come away with the victory. I would say this game comes down to two things. One, the playoff experience factor is big. I do. Whether or not Green Bay's young guys, the youngest team in the National Football League, can just say, ah, we don't really know what we don't really know, which is always possible, right? Like, young people don't know what they don't know. I remember how dumb I was when I was younger. Haven't gotten a lot smarter. But it's almost like uh, blind ignorance. You don't know what you don't know. Can they go in with that mindset, we have nothing to lose? Or are they going to go in and play tight? Because on the other side, you have Dallas, who was in the playoffs a year ago. Dak is a playoff-tested quarterback. He's won a playoff game. Just one, but he's won a playoff game. You've got guys, Micah Parsons, all these guys have that playoff experience. Green Bay has none of that. The other factor in this, well, I actually thought of a second one. Another factor in this is the ability of Joe Barry's defense to get pressure on Dak Prescott. Prescott is one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League when it comes to uh, the blitz. If you're going to blitz Dak Prescott, you better figure out a way to cover Lamb and all those other weapons because he has been fantastic. I think he's top three or four in the National Football League, maybe top two against the blitz. And then the big factor in this one to me is special teams. Green Bay has got warts and his special teams. It starts with their kicker. Anders Carlson, the rookie out of Auburn, has missed a kick in four of the last five games. Meanwhile, Brandon Aubrey was just voted best kicker in the NFL by his peers. Yeah, the players voted this rookie kicker for Dallas as the best kicker in the NFL. The dude doesn't miss. The dude just does not miss. So to me, those are the factors. The experience, Barry's defense, and the kicking ability, special teams of both of these two. I think Green Bay can keep it close. I think we got a chance at a shootout here. I'm thinking like 37-31. I'll take Green Bay in the 7.5. But I can't quite pick my team, my Green Bay Packers, to go down to Big D and win. But I'll be super excited, and you're going to hear me screaming and yelling from my house in West Des Moines if they actually pull it off. Coming up, we'll hit the rest of the National Football League. Super wild card weekend, including the game where I'm just like, ah, if there's one game where I'm going to have to get the honey-do list done, this is the one to do it during. I'll tell you what it is coming up next. You're on ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wicket. This is Wicket's World. Happy Super Wild Card Weekend. Hopefully you're staying safe with the snow and the really, really cold temperatures we've got going on here in Des Moines. Uh, so the games kick off tomorrow. First game on the docket. 
is not the game where I'm like, eh, I can probably avoid that game. But it is a game that is pretty interesting. So you got Cleveland and you got Houston. You got the Browns and you got the Texans, right? Neither team is supposed to be here for different reasons. One, Cleveland's not supposed to be here because they lost their, air quote, star quarterback into Sean Watson. Then they lost his backup. Then the third guy wasn't any good. And here comes Joe Flacco. You want to talk about the incredible story of Joe Flacco. I mean, you can't write. I don't know if Cleveland's going to win this football game. They're going on the road. Houston, who's 10-7, and hosting the 11-6 and Browns because they won the AFC South. But even if you're not a Browns fan, and nobody, I don't know any Browns fans, but even if you're not a Browns fan, you kind of have to have a little bit of, you got to be rooting a little bit for this team, right? Now, you maybe aren't rooting for uh, for the Cleveland Browns because of, They decided to take a shot on Deshaun Watson, and I think Deshaun Watson is a disgusting human being and is way more guilty and should have suffered a way more uh, severe penalty than what he actually was given. But that being said, Watson's not part of the team right now. This football team lost Nick Chubb. They lost Deshaun Watson. They still have the NFL's best defense, and they have a guy that I believe uh, should be coach of the year going up against a guy that many believe should be the coach of the year. I think Cleveland's Kevin Stefanski should be coach of the year. If you want to give it to D'Amico Ryans, I'm not going to be upset about that either. That's one and two in my book. You got the Browns who got here without all those quarterbacks and their star running back. They've got the all-world defense led by Miles Garrett. And on the other side, I don't know if there was a team that was predicted to have fewer wins this season than the Houston Texans, especially with a rookie quarterback starting in 2024. Look at the other rookies. Look at all the rookies the last couple of years. I mean, Bryce Young was terrible this year. Now, he was dealt a pretty nasty deck down there in in Carolina. Will Levis was whatever. Anthony Richardson got hurt. You know, all these young quarterbacks coming in, being thrown right into the fire, opposite what my guy Jordan Love got to do, sit behind, learn after a legend. Not everybody gets to come in after a legend, but learn behind a vet, learn behind someone who is good. But C.J. Stroud's going to win Rookie of the Year. He should win Rookie of the Year. And what I love so much about this, I talked about it earlier in the show, when it comes to my Packers, they're the youngest team in the NFL. They don't know what they don't know. Are they going to go in wide-eyed and scared to Big D, or are they just going to go in and play football and say, hey, you know what, we're not even supposed to be here. We're not supposed to have won this many games. We're not supposed to be in the playoffs and just ball out. Who knows? But Houston is playing with that mindset. Listen to C.J. Stroud. Our mindset here, let's prove ourselves right. We knew what we had in this locker room, and uh, we brought in a, a lot of vets that, that have been winning in other places and things like that. So uh, we knew that we, we would have our opportunities to play in big-time games, and we've lot, we won, actually won a lot of tight-knit games too. So those were the times where I leaned on my vets, and I was like, man, what do y'all think? Like, what do you think about this year? What can we do? They're like, man, we have a Super Bowl team. Like, we have a team that, that can shock, shock everybody. Um, and and you're, you so don't know. Do that, yeah. Yeah. You have no idea. Exactly, because you don't really know what it takes because I, I, it's my first year, you know. So That, that whole you don't know what you don't know thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's real. Good. But, yeah, it's but I think the, the statement of uh, winners, win, winners win and losers lose, I think that's real. And in my career, I won a lot of games, and my teammates have as well. Um, I just think we needed winners in the in the building. So uh, once we got that going and started getting a rhythm for each other, it took a while, but, you know, uh, football is not an overnight thing. It takes a minute. So once we got our rhythm, we started looking good, and now we're here. You watch C.J. Stroud play, and you just know. I mean, if you're a Carolina Panther fan, you're like, oh, my God, we picked wrong. Oh, my God, we picked wrong. 
And if you're the Bears, you passed on all these quarterbacks because you believed in Justin Fields. Imagine C.J. Stroud and how the confidence level would be in Chicago had the Bears not made the trade and then gone with Stroud. Or in Carolina, if the Panthers had gone with Stroud and not with Bryce Young. Personally, before the draft, I was a C.J. Stroud guy, despite the fact that I hate everything to come out of Ohio State. I hate that school. I hate that football program. But I thought Stroud was the most NFL-ready and was going to be the best of this group. And I still do believe that to this day, that he's going to be the best of this group. I think it's going to be Stroud, Levis, Anthony Richardson. I think Bryce Young, just because of his size and his situation, is going to have the, the toughest time in the National Football League. But here we are, Stroud hosting Flacco in the first playoff game of Super Wild Card Weekend. I think the Browns will get it done, but the spread is what? Two Cleveland's a two-point favorite in this football game. I think the Browns get it done because of defense, but I've been wrong about the Texans all year. I think all of us have, and that's the reason why they're sitting there hosting this playoff game. They're ready. They're confident, and, and they don't they don't know what they don't know. I've already talked about Dolphins and Chiefs. If you missed it, podcast at ESPNDesMoines.com. It'll be up right after the show today. And then Sunday, the first game of the day. This is the game where I'm just like, if there's a game to miss, to me it's this one. It's the biggest spread on the board, I think. It's what, 9.5, 10.5, whatever it is. Bills at home against Pittsburgh does Pittsburgh belong here? Sure they do. They're 10-7, and seven, another winning year for Mike Tomlin. Never had a losing season as head coach of the Steelers. It wouldn't matter if Kenny Pickett was healthy and playing in this game or now it's going to be Mason Rudolph. Like, this game just does not interest me other than the fact that I'm going to want to watch football at noon on Sunday and I'm going to watch it, all right? Bills at home, getting hot, went on the road last week and won the de facto AFC East Championship game. They won down at Miami. Uh, and Josh Allen, a guy who's known to throw some picks, uh, says this team has been playing really, really well, getting ready to peak at the right time. You want to peak at the right time? Um, I think this this football team, we, we've still got our best ball to play, but we're trending in the right direction. We're very fortunate to, to be playing another game. There's a lot of a lot of teams that aren't in the playoffs, a lot of guys that are you know not practicing today. So this is a, a very inspired group right now. We just love that we're able to come in here and, and do what we love to do. Now, we're expecting Josh Allen to play well. You are, I am, we all are, right? But what else are you expecting out of Josh Allen? A couple of throws where you're just like, what in the hell is that? Threw two picks in the first quarter last week. Had a fumble. The ball was taken right out of his hands uh, by a Miami defender last week who was going for a, uh, a sack. Josh Allen, though, this goes without saying, doesn't want to throw picks. Trying to do whatever I can do to help this team win. Same time, I, I don't want to throw them. It's not fun looking at the stat sheet and seeing interceptions, whether it's before the half on a Hail Mary attempt or long fourth down. Like, still doesn't feel great. Interceptions sometimes, like just momentum. You know, it's something that you can't see, but something you can feel, and sometimes it gives them momentum. And again, don't want to don't want to limit our chances to score points. And I've done that. I think the number is really big in this one. Nine and a half, ten and a half, whatever your book's going to get it at. I think that number is really big. And there's a lot of action, a lot of the sharps money. That's the professional gamblers. A lot of the sharps are coming in at plus nine and a half because it's playoff football. It can be really, really close. Nasty weather, the stuff we're getting now could have some effect. Lake effect could be really cold, snowy. That's why I think Pittsburgh has a chance to keep it close. Um, I can see either a Bills blowout or I can see the Steelers keeping it within a touchdown because 
I don't think Mason Rudolph's going to get anything done. I think this is going to come down to Najee Harris and Jalen Warren and Pittsburgh running the ball. The Bills' defense, not great. Their secondary is weaker than their guys up, up front. They don't stop the pass as well as they stop the run. But still, Pittsburgh got here not because of their quarterback play. Pittsburgh got here because of their really dynamic running back duo and Najee Harris getting hot late in the year. Watch for Jalen Warren to catch five, six, seven passes in this football game. Watch for Najee Harris to have, you know, 20, 22 carries in this football game. And if this can be a an ugly slugfest, I think Pittsburgh can be there in the fourth quarter. Going to be about 20 degrees when this game kicks off on Sunday. Uh, but I'll take the Bills, but give me the Steelers and the points. Coming up, the most expensive wild card ticket in history. I'll tell you which fans are shelling out this huge amount of cash next. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. My name is Mike Wickett. Wickett's World here on a Friday. Be safe out there. After the snow is done, it's going to get dangerously cold. So keep an eye on your pets. Check in on your elderly neighbors, family, friends. Don't let your pets out too long, man. It's going to be brutal. Like, I'm talking about negative 30, 40, 50 wind chills. And this is not going to be a one-day thing. This is going to go through, like, Tuesday we might warm up on Wednesday, and then we're going to get right back into it next week. So winter was not here. <laughs> winter was not here at all. And then all of a sudden, old man Winter has kicked the bleeping door down to announce his presence. Super Wild Card Weekend kicks off. We've gone through a lot of the football games here. Kind of like a pregame show for you. Uh, so far, I've given you a couple of picks. I know you're like, ah, picks, who cares? Uh, I like uh, the Browns on the road. I like the Chiefs at home. I like the Bills at home. But I like the Steelers to keep it close. I like the Cowboys to win a shootout, but give me Green Bay in the seven and a half. And that gets us to the last two games on the schedule, Rams and Lions. Rams and Lions, listen to this. It is the most expensive secondary market, of course. It's the most expensive wild card game in NFL history. The get-in price, including fees. If you just want to get in the building at Ford Field, first playoff game in Ford Field history, First home playoff game in Detroit since I was 12 years old. It was 1993, the last time Detroit. Uh, you know what? I wasn't even 12 yet. I was 11 because it would have happened in January. It's the first time that the Lions have hosted a playoff game since 93. And to get into Ford Field, it's $571. If you want to get in... To Arrowhead for the freezing cold game on Saturday night, you can get in the building at Arrowhead for 43 bucks right now on one of the secondary markets. And I bet that number, just like the temperature, is going to drop significantly. This is the most expensive wild card game in the history of the wild card games. The cheapest ticket on SeatGeek, $598. Almost 600 bucks to watch Lions and Rams play this game coming up on Saturday night. And this is an unfamiliar place for Detroit football fans, of which I know many. I'm originally from the Detroit area. My family is there. They're all going nuts. They just had a great national championship win in Michigan for the Wolverines. And now they get the Lions hosting Matt Stafford and the L.A. Rams. The NFL scriptwriters did a really good job. You got Tyreek going to Arrowhead. You got Stafford going to Ford Field. You got McCarthy taking on the Packers. You got Deshaun Watson going back to Houston to face the Texans, even though he's not actually playing. 
But this Stafford storyline is fantastic. And of course, he was talking with the media and asked all kinds of questions about going back to where he spent the first 12 years of his NFL career. We played him in 21, you know, here at our place. Uh, and really, to be honest with you, you know, a football game is a football game once the ball snapped. Um, you know, there'll be a lot of stuff beforehand I'm sure I'll have to answer questions about, and they will too, all that kind of stuff. But uh, once the ball snapped, it's time to go play football and, and uh, just love being a part of this team. You know, the, the way we fight, no matter, you know, who's out there, what we're doing, it's, it's been a really fun year. Looking forward to it continuing. Have you thought about what it's going to feel like to walk out on the field? No, you know, I think uh, there will be, uh, you know, excitement just because it's a playoff game. Anytime you're in the playoffs, man, it's so much fun. They're obviously a really talented football team, um, you know, playing at a really high level, really all season long, been one of the more consistent teams in, in our league. So it'll be a big challenge for us. I'll be locked in on trying to do the best that I can to get this team to uh, to be to where we want to be at the end of the game. But I'm sure it'll be exciting for everybody. Will you have to enhance kind of your bubble, so to speak, the, of phone calls and outside stuff? No, I mean, I, uh, I don't have that much confidence with anybody anyways to be honest with you pretty uh you know to myself kind of guy but uh you know it, it will be fun to see some of the people that i haven't seen in a while that i know are still around the building and and um obviously it'll be a different scenario i won't be wearing you know their colors but uh still you know appreciate so many of the people there that uh, you know gave me my start in this league and and uh, took care of me for 12 years too this is honestly the hardest game of the weekend for me to pick it, it really is i think the, well this one and then the one on monday night between philly and tampa but i don't know what to expect because You've got the Rams, who are one of the hottest teams in the National Football League. Their backups just beat the Niners' backups. But before that, they beat the Giants, beat the Saints, beat the Commanders. They lost to the Ravens in a close game, but they also won three in a row before that. So this team, including their Week 18 win over the Niners, they've won seven of their last eight. And this was a team that was not supposed to be a playoff team. You know, they were still trying to get themselves out of the hole of paying Stafford and everything they mortgaged to win their Super Bowl two years ago. And, and I understand that. But this team, Sean McVay, should get some love for Coach of the Year. I don't think it's Stefanski. I think it's D'Amico Ryans and then maybe Sean McVay. But this team was not supposed to be here. Here they are at 10-7, and 7, and they're going on the road to play the Lions. That is a winnable football game. When you have Matt Stafford, who's playing at a really high level this year, and you have Cooper Cup, and you have the rookie in Puka Nakua, who, if it weren't for Stroud, might be your rookie of the year, and some people still may vote for Puka. And then the explosion of Kyron Williams, uh, the second-year running back out of Notre Dame. Like, this team has got all kinds of weapons, and they're mostly done through the air. Kyron catches passes, Cooper and Puka. Matt Stafford's arm. That's how you beat Detroit. If you can get the ball out quick, avoid Aiden Aiden Hutchinson, and attack that weak Lions secondary, you can put points up. And the Lions... We know they can score, but Jared Goff is, you know, he's he's susceptible. Jared Goff will turn the football over, uh, turn it over three times against Green Bay on uh, on Thanksgiving. You got Aaron Donald in there. I don't know which way to go with this game. I've been toying with it all week. Detroit's a three-point favorite. If it was three and a half, I would bet the Rams so I could get the hook. I don't love the three without the extra half. But I think the over-under at 51-and-a-half got a real good shot of going over that one. Tough game to pick. A lot of people are picking this one as the upset. That's why I go the other way and say the Lions are probably going to win. But I would love the Rams and the three. I'd love it more if I could get the Rams and three-and-a-half. Uh, so that takes us to Monday night. Eagles, Buccaneers down in Tampa. And maybe the most disappointing team in the National Football League in the second half of the year. The Philadelphia Eagles. I think they were two and five 
in their last seven. One, two, three, four, five, one, two. Yeah, two and five in their last seven, including a game against the Giants where they just gave up. I mean, they if they would have won and Dallas would have lost, they could have won the East and hosted a playoff game. Midway through the first quarter, Dallas was blowing Washington out last weekend. And the Eagles were probably like, no, no point here. Because even if we play our starters and we try this one and we try to beat the Giants, it doesn't really matter. So why risk it? Speaking of risk, you had two guys get banged up in this finale, this season finale against the Giants. Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. Jalen Hurts, middle finger on his throwing hand, popped out. It was gruesome. I think he popped it back in. Hopefully he can throw the ball. And then A.J. Brown tweaked a knee. Now, the knee injury doesn't sound all that serious. But there's just something about Philadelphia, and it's always tough to repeat and win your conference back to, you know, if you've lost the Super Bowl. But there's something about this Philly team that just doesn't feel right. And I don't know if the coordinators that were there last year, both the offensive uh, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, took jobs in the NFL, one in Indy, one in Arizona. How much more of an effect did they have on this team that we're seeing, uh, seeing right now that Nick Sirianni either, did they win in spite of Nick Sirianni? Did they win because of Nick Sirianni? It just feels like ever since those two guys left that this team hasn't been the same, and that happens. I mean, look at the Chiefs without Eric Bieniemy. A lot of people are citing Bieniemy as the reason why the Chiefs' offense has not been very good this year. I mean, that's what happens when you lose Bieniemy and you replace him with Matt Nagy. I mean, that that happens, right? <laughs> so back to Philly. They're going on the road to Tampa. Another tough team to figure out. The Buccaneers are 9-8. and eight. They won the really bad NFC South. Their quarterback is Baker Mayfield. But in a game where everything was on the line, right? They lose. They could have been jumped in the standings by New Orleans. They scored nine points at Carolina. Nine. Against the terrible Carolina Panthers. Baker Mayfield threw for 137 yards. So everything in my brain is telling me that Philadelphia should go in and house the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But for some reason, that defense of Philly, which has been bottom of the National Football League, has not gotten any better. They can't stop anybody. They gave up 35 to Arizona. They gave up 27 to the Giants. I mean, they gave up 42 to the uh, 49ers. Then again, everybody gave up a lot of points to the Niners this year. They gave up a ton of points to everybody they played this year. And last year, you could count on the Philly defense. Again, this is Baker Mayfield, Rashad White, absolute stud. Mike Evans, absolute stud. Borderline Hall of Famer, maybe already in the Hall of Fame. Chris Godwin is an absolute stud. So there's weapons all over Tampa to expose this Eagles defense. If you're going to force me to pick, if you're going to put a gun to my head and say, Wicket, you got to pick one of them, I'll take Philly one time, but that's going to be it. I'm not taking Philly to win two playoff games. I'm taking Philly to win one playoff game, and whether or not it's got to be Jalen Hurts and the tush push, or it's got to be DeAndre Swift running the football, I think the pedigree is there. I hope there is pride. I hope there is cohesion within this Philadelphia organization, because I think they can go down and beat Tampa on Monday night. They're a three-point favorite, according to the odds makers, and I look for them to get the job done on Martin Luther King Day uh, on, uh, on Monday night. That is it. Wicket's World is over. I hope you be safe. Uh, real quick, run through them again. Give me the Browns, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Cowboys. <sighs> I'll take the Lions just because everybody else is taking the Rams, but I don't love that. And give me the Eagles. There's my six winners. 
Take it to the window. Don't blame me if you lose. Stay safe this weekend. The weather is nasty. Don't go outside if you don't have to. Watch out. Thanks to all of our plow drivers. Keep out of their way as they're trying to clear all of this snow. We'll do it again coming up next week. Thank you so much for checking out Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. Thanks for listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines.